When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hello, it's Anne-Marie with another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, business-building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. Now, my guest today says, coaching is a dance not a date. And joining me on today's show is Claire Pedrick. Claire is a human who facilitates other people's thinking. She's a business owner, a mother, a friend, a volunteer, MCC master coach with over 11,000 hours experience. And she's also author of Simplifying Coaching. Now, Claire established 3D coaching in the 1990s to bring together the simplest and best learning from coaching to support people and organizations to have more effective conversations with an edge. She's been coaching for more than 30 years and she believes that the essence of coaching is simple and that it takes time to learn to work that simply. Now, Claire's current focus is developing internal and external coaches through training, through masterclasses and mentoring. And on today's show, she is going to share simplicity counts. As Einstein said, if you can't say it simply, you don't understand it. Why being human counts and small tweaks that you can apply straight away in your life and business. Welcome, Claire. Hello, Anne-Marie. What a pleasure to be here with you today. It is. Isn't this technology amazing? I'm about finishing my day here in Melbourne with a scarf because it's really cool. You're over in the UK, your day is beginning and you're obviously got a warmer day being sleeveless. Yeah, although it's cooler today. We've had it 28. But you know, it's really funny when I go into the kitchen, my husband says, so where in the world have you been this morning? (laughs) It's so true, isn't it? I'll often say to people, I start off in the US and then I end in the UK and in between there's a whole myriad of different countries and so forth, which which is wonderful. I mean, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have been in the coaching industry well over 30 years. You are a veteran and now, of course... You are supporting uh, many other coaches to really master, you know, master their craft. And I love the way that you say, you know, coaching is a as da- a dance. I say dance here, dance, dance, not a date. Share a little bit more about that. I think there's a real danger in one-to-one conversations that they can all look the same because, metaphorically speaking, if we're face to face, we sit in those hundred and twenty-degree chairs. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a getting to know you thing. And the challenge, I think, for coaches is that coaching coaching looks so very like many other conversations. And yet it's so very different from many other conversations. So, so if you make it look like a date, it turns into something else. And actually, that's if you physically make it look like a date. So if I say, if I'm coaching you and I say, Anne-Marie, let's get to know each other. Mm -hmm. 
and we get to know each other. We're here to do some good work. Mm. But once I've once I've done some getting to know you, we're going backwards into your story. And coaching is future focused and it's about enabling people to move forward and get new insights. Yeah. So when it turns into a date, we find ourselves heading in the wrong direction and we need to go that way. Yeah, so, so true. Would you say then the, the coaches that you've worked with, and, and obviously there's different modalities and so forth, that many of them being uh, taught, and that's great. Do you find that how they're being taught, and it is a skill, it's an art and a skill, isn't it? And we bring our own communication styles and approaches to that conversation, to the relationship too. Are coaches seeing that a coaching relationship is more of a dance and not necessarily a date? How are we faring? Well, <laughs> or have I just asked one of those questions that we could have the whole... Yes, the how whole long have you got? Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to bed? So, <laughs> So I think one of the things about coach training is that people are taught some really good stuff, but the more they're taught, the more they think they need to remember. And the more they're taught, the more they think they need to use it. And there are some real fundamental principles that I often end up teaching people who've got five or six or seven or 8,000 coaching hours. And when I listen to a recording of their coaching, I say to them, does the other person know what you're doing together? Mm. And they go, well, I'm doing some good stuff. And I go, you're doing great stuff, but they, but you haven't agreed with them that that's going to serve them and that that's useful. So th there's some tweaks that you need to make to be working in partnership. And I think the big issue for coaches is that we have a fantasy that in order to become a great coach, I need to watch great coaches coaching and learn some stuff from them. But the measure of great coaching is not about whether what you see me do is amazing. It's actually about the impact it has in the person that I'm working with. So we're looking in completely the wrong place when we're measuring whether coaching is great or not. And actually, it's about whether thinkers think yeah. or not. Yes. And that, that is so true. If we're looking at more of the art, the skill, the, the, the dance in itself, rather than, well, are we getting to the destination that is going to be helpful for the client, so to speak, for that yes. person in that relationship? And if not, if you suddenly end up dancing somewhere else, but actually, is that what we should be focusing on. Great point. And I don't know the destination that's going to be useful for them unless I ask them. <laughs> Good point. And I guess that was what you were asking them too, wasn't it? Is 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 that one of the things that you've you found out? Because there's different, I mean, and I would imagine too that whilst you have certain techniques, as I remember years ago when I learned and exactly what you shared, shared there were some different steps, but then all of a sudden when you're talking to another human being, they don't answer in step two the response. And then you think, hang on a minute, I have to ask them step three and step four. And it can, if you're following that linear process, humans aren't linear. And 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 I'd imagine that it really, yeah, there, there are some things, layers that we need to strip off the learnings to really help. Once once coaches get that, do you find that they really that their their ability to support clients just starts to excel? Yeah, totally. One or two changes can transform the whole of coaching. And the first one is this principle of ask them. 
<laughs> the reality is two words could be uh, a little direct i yeah. have absolutely no idea on this earth how to have a great conversation with you that will enable you to have new insights i don't know how to do that yeah so i have to ask you <laughs> and and one of the biggest challenges I think that coaches have is that they start doing the work in the session without working out with the client, what well, I call the client the thinker, but yeah. without working out with the other person what the work is we need to do. Yes. And and so coaching is about open questions and curiosity. But if I spend the next 45 minutes asking you about yourself, you're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I know a whole load of things about you and you don't know anything about your anything new about your own stuff. This is my this is my favorite little online training tool. So we we coach people with beautiful insights and they the wonderful myriad of everything. People come up with wonderful things. We ask them a whole load of questions. They tell us all about themselves. Yeah. And at the end of the conversation, I know a lot about them and they know nothing new. Yeah. That's so true. So that was two words. Ask them. Ask them. What is the second thing that you said will completely change a coach's approach and outcomes? The second thing is is put boundaries around the conversation so that you know what you're doing together before you start doing the work. And then the kind of underneath part of that is keep checking in. How on earth? Sorry, um, you're getting me passionate. (laughs) How on earth? Can we have a conversation with somebody for half an hour or an hour and know that it's going to absolutely get them where they need to be without checking in a lot to go, is this useful? Mm -hmm. What new insights have you had? Are we on track? Are we still focusing on this or do we need to focus on something else? So, so checking in is, it's my current little bug because I, I notice that very few coaches check in enough. Mm. And what happens is the coach takes control of the time and the process. And then they suddenly say, so we're out of time. Let's yeah. talk about that next week. And that's not partnership. Mm. So so if, if the coaches who are listening today, if the one thing that you do is to check in in half an hour, six or seven or eight times, but it's not, am I any good today? <laughs> it needs, and you need to check in before you panic. Yeah. So in most conversations, there's a panic moment where you go, oh, we don't know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Check in well before that. You know, are we on track? How are we doing? Is this useful? Where are we? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do next? Those checking in questions will transform your coaching. Yes. And I, as you're sharing that, I remember some times where I was working with a coach and we were talking about something and all of a sudden I had this shift and I would have loved to dive in, but because they kept on talking, it was like, and by the time, that's right, the conversation kept going. And by that time, there was only a little bit of time, whereas we could have taken it to the whole, because it's like, I've got it. I absolutely have, you know, I've, I've got it. So that is incredible. Can I offer another tip then? Absolutely. Look, because if that coach had been looking. Or even listening too, if it's not, if we can't see. Yeah, yeah, that you can look when you can't see. You can still look. Uh, If they'd been looking, they'd have seen a moment when you kind of looked away and that's the moment of the revelation and that's when the coach needs to stop coaching. So look 
and don't feel that your questions need to be complete sentences. Do you know, when I'm when I'm working with people on challenge, uh, we listen to recordings because listening to real life recordings of coaches coaching is absolutely the way to get them to really notice what's happening. So we'll be listening to a recording and I'll hear them ask a challenging question. And it might be the first three words and I'll go, I'll stop the recording. I'll go, my goodness, that was the most amazing, challenging question. It absolutely responded to what the thinker just said. Let's see what happens. So I'll say that was a 10 out of 10 challenge. And then I count down as they keep talking and it goes 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, minus 20, minus 25. And the distance between the best question in the world yes, and this very weak thing that's left because they couldn't stop talking is yeah. extraordinary. So they had all the amazing stuff there to do the, the challenge. But we just have to stop. We have to stop believing that what we say matters. Mm. We're catalysts, not yeah. teachers. Yeah. And sometimes even if you are face-to-face -face or even on, on Zoom, sometimes the pauses or nodding can be all that's needed because it continues that conversation sometimes too, can't it, rather than you filling in and jumping in? Yes. And yeah. you yeah. need to learn to nod. <laughs> So that it doesn't look as though you're about to speak. Um, so, so some versions of nod yeah. can actually interrupt the thinker thinking because they think you're about to do something. So I, I know this sounds mad. But actually, no, I, I can understand that because sometimes when you see someone going like that, you think, oh, they're, they're, they're wanting to, you know, yeah. to have a question. But if you are a nodder, because I'm actually a nodder and, and I do that because I've trained myself, especially for an audio, an interview, not to interject too much with, wow, fantastic, you know, that kind of thing because it becomes annoying for the listener. So I can tend to nod, but I could imagine that if someone is, is I, I can see it doesn't, it doesn't sound mad at all. So if you lean in and nod, mm. it looks and feels as though you're about to speak. So they'll. So it's about where's the where's the thinking. So if you think about a, thinking as a ball, the processing thing as a ball. If I'm holding it, mm. you're going to be waiting for me to speak. Yeah. So I need to leave it with you as much as I can. So so it's about who leads and who follows. All of these things, Anne-Marie, are really tiny tweaks. And so you can, I, I was talking to um, an examiner for the International Coach Federation about two or three weeks ago. And she said something really interesting. She said, you can read a transcript of a coaching session and it can look absolutely extraordinary. And it can look strong and useful and everything. And then you listen to the recording and it's a fail because of the timing and the tone. Yes, that can make all the difference. It can make all the difference. So then if you're saying if you're leaning forward, if it's a nod, you can imagine hmm, leaning backwards. You know, all those skills you can use when you're communicating even with a team member as yes. well. Not, yes, you know, the other one, leaning backwards too far looks like approval. So, <laughs> so I would say... Uh, wherever you are doing things that aren't coaching, really use your eyes 
and watch people. So you know when you're in a, an online meeting or even a face-to-face meeting, in that meeting there are times that you need to be there and there are times when you, you know, there's, there's something on the, the agenda that's not quite in your park, as it were. Those are the moments to watch the impact of leaning in, leaning out. And, and uh, uh, there's a thing called, in social work, they say minimal encouragers. And it's mm-hmm. about what's the least that I need to do to keep the person in flow without mm-hmm. them feeling that I'm approving or that I'm about to speak. That's interesting. And I would imagine then you could use that to influence if, because if people do see you lean in and nodding, they may catch your eye and say, oh, did you want to say something? So it may be one way that you can influence them leaning over or looking to you and um, speaking. But of course, in the coaching relationship, as you say, you really want to keep the conversation coming from the other part of the thinker, because that really is the yeah the the coach rather than you speaking all the time is is uh, not the place you want to be. Now talking about simplicity, you know we've got so many sayings around simplicity, which is so important. But as you say, simplicity counts. If we can't say it simply, we just don't understand it ourselves. How are you finding that that completely changes? Even when we're talking about leadership now too, when we take a you know, simplicity approach or a simplistic approach, how it can impact relationships, productivity, what are you finding? I, I think there's power in complexity. So if I say something in a complex way, I can disempower the person that I'm talking with because they will affix knowledge and wisdom and expertise to me that I may or may not have. Right, yeah. So so Robert Fuller in 2004 wrote a book called Somebody's and Nobody's. And there's also something, I was just reading a book last week by a, an improv artist called Pippa Evans about status, which is in the similar field. Mm-hmm. But I think that that when we... When we use too many words or explain things in complex ways, we can disempower others. Mm. And if we're trying to be power equal or as equal as we can be in service of somebody developing in their in their stuff, we need to find a different way to be. Mm. But this is a challenge because we live in a society where knowledge is power mm. and where people where the acquisition of more knowledge, is often seen to be a good thing. Mm. And I'm not I'm not saying knowledge isn't a good thing, yeah. but I'm saying that in a conversation between two human beings, we need to be human. Mm. It's really interesting because um, I've had the privilege of hosting some podcasts for the Africa Executive Coaching Convention. Mm. And I listened to their conference. I was a participant in their first annual conference a few months ago and there were people there from um uh from the east african version of uh, uh their telecom so kind of mobile phone company safaricom and they were talking about changing the culture in their organization and they said the number one thing needed to change was humility wow. if we want to develop good people if we want to do succession planning we need to have a humility around us that actually says we want you to grow and flourish. So I need to be I need to be a human being with other human beings rather than me be a somebody, because if I be a somebody, then I make you a nobody. 
Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if I think um, to having conversations with a lot of people, for instance, the interview that I did uh, before you, Claire, was with uh, a former neuroscientist and she was specialising in AI. And I had to say to her, look, I have no idea of the terminology, so you're just going to have to go with me on on this. And I, I'm quite happy to, to, to share that I have no idea because it's not my area of expertise, but I'm very interested in learning. And I I, I guess that's, well, because I've had so many interviews now, but I take the approach that I'm curious, I'd love to know more, and because I don't know much about that topic, I don't see myself as less than. Does that make sense? Yeah. It also has to go from your own perspective too, isn't it? Not knowing something doesn't make you less than someone else. No. Um, it opens you up to a whole further learning if you're if you're able to, to go there. And it's an interesting thing when you because one of the things that I have found time and time again in this into you know in this particular podcast is that as leaders we often assume we need to know everything and not knowing something. And this is even with the men. And I'm, I'm, I would be quite happy to say I'm not really sure, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. Do you have suggestions? And that's what you're saying, isn't it? Be human, be humble. Yes. And and if you're the leader, don't assume that it's your job to fix. You need to negotiate with somebody. So I, I was doing a little mini training in an organisation a few weeks ago, and uh, the chief exec was there and other other staff members. It's a kind of creative organisation, and. At, at the end of it, I just taught them some simple principles about conversations drawn from coaching. And at the end of it, he said, I now realize that I can talk to our programmer because he said, I really have avoided one-to-ones with her because I can't help her. And he said, now I realize that it's not my job to help her. It's her job to do the job, but she still wants to talk to me because I can facilitate her to find a solution. Yes. So, so a tip for leaders One of our principles in coaching is show the working out. I used to be a maths teacher. So it's show the working out. And that's important in coaching. But actually, it's also important, I think, in line management. Mm. So, for example, we're doing a lot of developing our own team. Mm. And uh, the other day, uh, there was a question that was going around between three of us about who should do a particular piece of work. And the question was to me, Who do you think should do it? And I said to both of my colleagues, let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, if I do it, it'll look like this. If you do it, it'll look like this. If you do it, it'll look like this. So the real question we need to be thinking about is what is the most effective intervention for the organization, both in terms of of what we deliver, but also in terms of what message does it say about who does what? And what I'm thinking is, Technically, person A really should be delivering it, but with the particular customer in mind, the people who will be coming to the event already know person B and have a great trust in her. So I said to my team, if I was going to make the final decision, I'd say it was B. Yeah. So what they said afterwards, which was really interesting, was how useful that was because in the end, they'll be leading the business. Yeah. And actually, they don't need to know person B should lead this. They need to know how did I get to that decision? Because that's what's going to grow them as future leaders. Mm -hmm. Not 
not the answer. It's the working out that grows them. So so if you're a, a leader, that's a great thing to do today or tomorrow is to show the working out. It is because as you continue to do that, you're empowering your team to the point where they may not necessarily need to come to you for specific answers because you've worked and shown the working out. Had you just continued to give answers, you're not empowering the learning, are you? Yeah, and Um, if they disagree, when you're showing the working out, they can see which bit they disagree on so they can go, ah, so so our, our final decision was based on trust. Now, one of them could have said to me, I don't think trust is the most important thing that we need to be thinking about here. Yes. Therefore, I wonder whether it should be this person. But we would have been starting having the the discussion Mm -hmm. in the right place because by then we would have worked out that the thing that we disagree on is whether it's trust or experience, for example. Yes. Part of that uh, showing the working out and giving some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, some validation to how you've come up with a specific response or, or idea, some thinking, also will give the other person or person some insights into, again, how you've come up with that, but also even some understanding and maybe, and this is my question, a level of empathy towards that other person because you can understand, it gives them some context, doesn't it? And you become more aware of what's really important. For instance, if you had mentioned, you know, trust is really important for me and and, and how we deliver and so forth, then you know that whatever decision that you're going to say yes to and and give support to has to have some level of trust. It allows you to build some understanding and empathy towards other people doing that too. Is that what you found? Yes, and it allows people into our mind. Yes. (laughs) It invites them, it welcomes them into our processing because what makes good leaders is the capacity to process and to and to and to and to mull and to think about stuff otherwise we're creating clones but if they don't know how we got there then how are they building their capacity to be leaders in the future you know, as you were sharing that, I, I think of uh, two of my children. One's very direct and would give a response straight away and another one is more going through the process, that kind of thing. If you're working with someone who is naturally more the person who would give a response, I'd imagine that what you've just shared is that show the working out. For them, it has to become something that they continue to do so that they're they become familiar with it. Is, is that making sense? So if, if yeah. they naturally want to dive in as the leader go, you know, because they're time poor or something like that, they have to set the intention that this is what I'm going to do moving forward because I know it's going to continue to empower my team. Do you find that, that some people have to learn the skill or, or I think ability? We need to, yeah, we, we need to learn how to negotiate with other people, how to work with us. So here's another one. So as much as I am very quick at making decisions, Sometimes I need just to sit with it. Mm. So my strategy, which people have had to learn is very genuine and not batting them off, is that's a great question. Ask me again in two days. Mm. And the reason that I say that is I say that when it's something that needs sitting with and I will not then spend two hours kind of frantically worrying about it, but I just need to It needs to be in my subconscious when I go for a walk or, you know, as I'm waking up in the morning or whatever. And if you ask me again in two days, you'll get a a much better version 
and yes. we'll come to a much better decision than if you asked me to make a decision straight away today. So I've just started writing another book with somebody and uh, she's we're very different. And she said to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, she said, we need to work out what the shape needs to be. And I said, absolutely. And you need to talk to me about what the shape needs to be in two weeks. <laughs> because I need to almost not think about it in order to be able to come up with some kind of insight about what we need to do. Yeah. And I, I would also imagine too the fact that you were able to understand that that's what you needed and to be able to communicate that. Sometimes if we're not aware of some of those breaks that we need for you it's a pause because even though you may not be as you said thinking about it it's still mulling in the back of your mind yeah. there's still things happening even though we may not be thinking about it necessarily that's why I'm sure they've come up with that that saying sleep on it yeah. and often the answer will come to you in the morning because it's settled you're, you're refreshed and and you know things have uh, take on a new light often in the in the morning uh but so Number one, be aware of that and then be able to communicate that because if you're working with other p people, in your case you were just saying, saying a project, your team members, a coach, and I love the way that you said uh, elaborate or, or state the boundaries first and the expectations, and often when that's not done, that is when problems can arise don't they? Because no yeah. one really knows. How do we dance? Are there any rules to this dance? What happens if someone oversteps or if you step on my toe? How am I going to approach that? All of these things. Yeah. And, and if my preferred dance is the tango. Yeah. And you want to do the waltz, then we're going to get really tangled up, which is why we have to really take the lead from the person that we're coaching. Mm. Um, just picking up on something you said just before I think there's also something as coaches where often it's useful for us to notice what we notice about the way somebody processes because they may not have been able to articulate it for themselves but we might notice a pattern yes. and, and and we can offer that back so I'm sure that those things I've just told you about me I'm sure I didn't work that out myself I'm sure probably somewhere in in the history of history Somebody went, oh, it's, you know, it, 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 I wonder whether it, it, it's really serving you to take these things away and then come back with them. Yeah. And then you think, oh, yeah, because mm. the last person we're self-aware about is ourselves often. It's, it takes someone else to notice for us to go, oh, yes. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, that's right. Because we often are so, yeah, we're so close to the situation we don't recognise. Um, yeah some of those patterns we we had somebody for dinner last night um can i just tell you in the uk that is a yeah. big thing yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. he stayed over and we were having a conversation about something and he suddenly put his head in his hands and i just went and because something had happened because that was dissonant to what had been happening before in the conversation. And he said, I've just understood something that I didn't ever know before. He didn't tell me what it was, but my job was simply to notice it and say as little as I needed to do to acknowledge it, but not take over his space. Yes. And this morning when he left, he said, my goodness, that was an amazing conversation. I still don't know what it was about.
But that's good, isn't it? That's right. When when the conversations or the thinkers that you're having conversations with say, that was the best conversation I've ever had, and you're thinking, well, that's when um, I think when you, you, you have you have you're you're masterful at what you do really and and often you may not even realize you know there's just things that you learn and do just automatically I can think. I just tell you the funniest thing is that when this happens is that you meet that person two or three or four years later and they think you knew everything that went on in their head when you had that conversation oh. so there's an expectation that you know the narrative and you don't no. And you you just have to find your way to navigate that. And not knowing the narrative is annoying, but it actually serves them well. So yes, yes, because otherwise you put your own kind of um, yeah, you, you you add your own things to the mix, which is, as you say, your understanding or contexts and things, which really should not have any basis to that at all. Really, for them, isn't it? This yeah. has been. So a wonderful conversation. We could we could continue for hours. In fact, I think the first time we we connected uh, on on LinkedIn, and then eventually we had our first conversation. We spoke for quite some time too. And uh, what an honour it is to have been able to to continue and share um, just a, just a snippet of uh, your expertise and your your wisdom with uh, people today. How can they find out more about you, Claire? What is the best way? I know that you've also got a podcast. Share a little bit more about that in case people would like to subscribe and listen to that as well. Great. So the website is www.3dcoaching.com. The book is called Simplifying Coaching, uh, which you can get on Amazon and other big providers. Uh, and uh, the podcast is called The Coaching In, and it's on iTunes podcasts uh, and uh, other podcasts, uh, most of the independent ones. <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, you've always got some wonderful projects on the go. As you said, you, you're you um, thinking of your, your other book as, as well. What do you have planned for the rest of uh, the year 2021? Any, any exciting projects on the horizon for you, Claire? Well, the big exciting project, actually, thank you for asking, because this is becoming clear in the last few days, is that I have done a huge amount of work in organisations over many, many years. And with COVID and a kind of shift in focus, my choice is to simply work from my beautiful office here. Uh, we've just moved to the countryside and I'm not planning to travel much. Uh, and so what's ahead is lots of one-to-ones with aspiring coaches or coaches who just want to simplify. And I'm so excited about that because it's it feels like, you know, I'm getting to the age where I want to give back to the profession and and to be able to do that in in a way that really empowers people yes. is just beautiful and I just got a little message on LinkedIn when I woke up this morning uh, a guy that I've been working with in Hong Kong has just got his credential as a coach so you just think you know that's fabulous it's just yeah. fabulous to be able to be a tiny part in somebody else's journey of them Absolutely. going and you know he's got years ahead of him of amazing conversations so it's about it's about legacy isn't it it's about passing on to future generations of coaches who are going to impact the world absolutely and I think now is a time where coaches really can step forward and support there's been no um, better time for coaches that are needed now yeah. when you think 
the grief and the loss and the processing of that and having a skilled coach by your side to be able to help you navigate that through that, I think is so important. Yeah, and I think even more important that in coaching, when we really refine our skills, we know how to sit with not knowing. Yes. And and we're in a world which doesn't know. Mm. And so that capacity to be courageous and to be in a conversation where we don't know what's happening and we don't know what to do, yeah, uh, which is what great coaching is, if we know what we're doing, it's probably not coaching is my little thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's, well, but there's more than consulting, isn't it? If you're yeah. the expert kind of thing. Yeah. Totally. But that capacity to live with not knowing in a world that's all in a bit of, well, in a big piece of turmoil, I think is a gift that we bring to the world that's very unique. As you said uh, beautifully at the beginning, and and we'll we'll end here, is when there's a lot of complex things happening, that is when it's so important and where simplicity counts. Totally. Ask ask them and get feedback from them. How's that going for you? And when you continue to do that and not tied, as you said, to the I have to know everything, but rather being there and dancing and doing everything that you've said today, uh, I think we'll have the deeper conversations that people need. Totally. um, To move forward. Claire, it has been an absolute honour once again. I've loved our conversation. Thank you so much. I always learn learn so many things when I uh, have conversations with you, so I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here, Anne-Marie. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And you. Enjoy your evening. Take care. Thank you. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.